3: It's a classic today. I like it. Nice. Uh, Game day. Sports 1440. Fitting. Fitting. Our next guest, as it is, the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Title sponsor. Also our exclusive uh, gambling partner online. Check it out. PlayAlberta.ca. If you want to try it, remember to use your GameSense. Go to GameSense.ab.ca and learn more how to stay within your limits. The uh, Oilers hoping to get out of the winless column tonight as they go into a place where they've had a lot of success as of late. Uh, the orders are 9-0-2 in their last 11 games against the uh, National Predators. Leon Dreisaitl, ridiculous 20 goals and 30 points. He has 30 points. The Preds have scored 27 goals in those 11 meetings. So, uh, you know, he's going to be pretty uh, hungry Tonight, as we get to the uh, oil report, brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton, stop in right now. If you're looking to uh, finance to get a new, a demo, or a certified pre-owned Volvo, you can get financing for as low as 1.49%. That's volvocarsedmonton.com, volvocarsedmonton.com, as uh, we welcome back to the program. Joining us uh, from Nashville, he is the voice of the Preds, uh, Willie Donitz joins us. Willie, how you doing, my man?
0: Well, I broke out in a cold sweat when you were talking about those numbers of Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid against the Predators here recently. So thanks for that.
3: Well, it is quite remarkable, though, when you think about it. Just like, hey, those guys are really good. But to dominate a team like that, especially a team that over the last five years has been one of the better teams defensively in the NHL.
0: Yeah, and and I think if you look at it now going into tonight, maybe it's a a new era, but no question. If you look at the the stretch of games before – the 9 2 it was equally as dominant by the Predators when yep. they were in their heyday, 2015, 16, 17, and that stretch there. And it has completely done a 180. And so Nashville is trying to uh, do some things differently, and we'll see how it all looks tonight, playing a different system.
3: So, you know what, uh, we saw a lot of the new uh, faces on their team last year. Some young guys who came up uh, midway through the season. And uh, they got some really good production from some of those young players. And, they know, then they went out, they brought in Ryan O'Reilly. They've still got Yossi. uh, You know, they got McDonough on the back end. So they kind of have a mixture of old, but they're really hoping some of these new guys, they got the kid line tonight, right, centered by Novak Willie. And um, you kind of talk about Andrew Burnett and maybe what's the difference in the style that Nashville is going to play this year from last year?
0: Well... The system is completely different. In talking to the players, Andrew Brunette has come in. He may not have the personnel that matches perfectly with what they're trying to do, but they're going to do it anyway. Okay. Um, They are trying to play north and south and attack and and put the opposition on their heels a a lot more. Um, And we'll see how that plays out with, as you mentioned, a lot of mix of very young players. They want to give them the runway to – excel but also surround them with winning players veterans that can have a good influence on them and also maybe you know support them in a good way and we'll see how it all shakes out over 82 games
3: so, looking at the uh, at the blue line specifically, um, Dante Fabro is is a young defenseman in, in Nashville. I don't know if there's a team in the last two decades that's done a better job of developing young defensemen. Now, Dante Fabro maybe hasn't come along as quickly as some would have liked, Willie, but he definitely seems to be finding the range of where they want him to be.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think he has had a very good attitude. Fabro has because. They went into the offseason with extra right-handed shots, and they picked up Luke Shen, and he was the odd man out. Fabro was on opening night, but then Luke Shen got injured down in Tampa Bay, and Dante Favreau jumped right in there in the second game, and he played two very good games with Roman Yossi. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to watch. I think a lot of – if you look back at when the Predators made a lot of the trades last year at the trade deadline, deadline including Matthias Echolm, uh, there was a lot of rumors surrounding Dante Fabro, but they uh, surprised some people by signing Fabro to another one-year contract. So this is a big year for him.
1: Oh,
3: very big year. So speaking of that, do you expect uh, Shen, is he going to play tonight?
0: Uh, I, I don't expect him back tonight, no. Uh, he did not take any, he was not skating or anything this morning. So I, I think it'll be the same six on D.
3: Okay. Um, the matchup, is it safe to say it's going to be uh, Yossi and Fabro, or do you think it's going to be more of the carrier McDonough pairing with Ryan O'Reilly up against McDavid and
0: Well, uh, when you consider that McDavid and Dreisaitl play about half the game, uh, we asked that to Andrew Burnett this morning. He said, you're not going to just see one pair uh, uh, against them. It's all three pairs probably will be out there at some point against them. But uh, I, I would say the most effective combination defensively so far has been McDonough and Carrier they have been very very good so far this season uh so we'll we'll take a look and see how they do it it may be based on situation etc but uh but I think you're going to need everybody uh containing I would I would probably throw the forwards in there too I think Ryan O'Reilly will take a ton of faceoffs. Colton Sissons will take a ton of faceoffs. but probably at some point all four lines will be out there against the big boys
2: Willie, looking at the lineup, and, and Gregor touched on it, you got a lot of young guys, good young guys, and, and mixed in there with a lot of, you know, older veteran players that, you know, uh, have done a lot of good things in the league and are very valuable, uh, would be very valuable to different teams throughout the season going on a playoff run. Do you see them? Do you see Nashville potentially, you know, moving some players?
0: It depends on where they are. Uh, when we get to that point in the season, I think that's very possible. Uh, And there's another layer of players, which would include guys like Reed Schaefer and Tanner Molendyk, you know, the pieces they got in the Matthias Eckholm trade. Tyson Berry, I think, uh, in a one-year deal is an obvious one of, you know, wait and see if the Predators are in the mix in the West. They may hold on to him. If not, uh, I think he'd be a really good pickup for somebody, just like he was for the Predators last year. He's been nothing but a great influence since he's been here. And I'm really glad they have him because they needed an extra veteran losing a, a staple like Matthias Echol.
2: Uh, you brought up the name Reed Schaefer. Obviously, he's an Edmonton guy. Um, didn't get a chance here. Obviously, if you're going to get something good, you got to give up something good. How was his training camp and where's he at?
0: I think they really like what Schaefer has brought to the table so far. He's going to be a very young player in Milwaukee this year. They just opened up with a win last night. Uh, and right now they've got four first-round picks in Milwaukee together who are playing in the AHL for the first time. And, and so Schaefer is one of four. So they're probably going to have some ups and downs. Uh, they've tried to surround them with some good young players there. But uh, it's, it's that next layer of talent. And they love, obviously, Schaefer's size. They really like his makeup. Uh, and I think he held his own. He got into a couple of the preseason games and did pretty well. So I, I don't know if we'll see him at all this year, maybe a, a cameo, but uh, you never know uh, they, if you're playing real well. I think uh, there is the ability and flexibility on the roster to shuffle some guys up and down in those young roles.
3: Willie Donna joins us uh, from Nashville. Oilers taking on the Preds tonight. Willie, uh, Barry Trotz uh, came in last year, uh, You know, worked a little bit with David Poyle alongside of him as Poyle retired after an incredibly successful run. Uh, with the Nashville Predators and really a successful uh, NHL career. What's your early gauge on Barry Trotz and and maybe how is he going to be different as a GM than Poyle? And uh, I think it's too early to say he's put kind of his calling card on this team, but what's your expectations on what type of team Trotz wants to have? Uh,
0: It's an interesting question because I think it is a little different than what you might expect of a Barry Trotz coach team. Okay. Uh, when you go through all of his years in Nashville and I think you would say this about his Islanders team hard nose defensive zone coverage maybe a little more defense first mentality but the kind of team he wants to build is more of the modern team that we're seeing now and that is the up and down speed and skill and right now they are trying to develop that part of the roster so he is said, you know, let's let's be patient. He brought in Andrew Burnett, a guy that he goes way, way back with. We coached in the in the minor leagues, uh, way back in Portland, where they won a Calder uh, a Calder Cup back in '93, '94. So he's got a guy that he thinks has a very good vision uh, of what it is supposed to look like. And so far, I, I think we've seen some good uh, good indications that it's going to work. But I, he has stressed, hey, look, we're building for two or three years, and so. You know, they want to compete and be competitive this year, but they really want to grow it to where they can be strong and layered and the type of roster that can go deep in a playoff run in a couple of years.
3: Well, one last one for you. The, you know, the Preds have they've made a transition. They got rid of a lot of guys. Obviously, they still have UC Saros. They still have Roman Yossi. Those are the main. And, of course, uh, Forsberg. At Nashville, it's tough because they're not bad enough to be a rebuilding team at all right they're they're not you know if you want an elite players for the most part now obviously roman Yossi is pretty elite but for the most part if you want to least ford you got to get a top 5 pick at least that's what history tells us um they went out and got ryan o'reilly which tells me they're not really ready to rebuild at all. They feel like, you know what, we can kind of retool on the fly, right? They moved out Ekholm because of his age and said, hey, we get a first and arguably two first because of young Reed Schaefer, and then we can trade Tyson Berry and get something for him. Is that kind of the plan you think that they're hoping to retool rather than necessarily go on full rebuild?
0: Absolutely. I think that, that was made clear, I think, by all the moves that they made, as you just kind of pointed out. And you would add that you've got one of the best goalies in the world in UC Soros, And when you have him, you can't be bad, I, and especially when you add Roman Josi and Philip Forsberg. So I think it's more of a Dallas Stars kind of model. Uh, I, I think you would throw a St. Louis Blues in there. Those teams have gotten the cup finals. Uh, they have won cups and never really were bad. And I think, you know, especially in this market, there are some people sort of barking for that that would love for them to strip it all the way down. But, uh, you know, that's, that's long. That's a lot of pain for a long time with no guarantee of how long it's going to take. And so, yeah, I mean, you guys know about that at Edmonton. It took a long time to get to where you are now with a, a great roster with high end players. So I, I do think if, for the time being, the plan is with, with kind of a stock uh, draft. A bunch of draft picks, that not, not all of which they've even picked yet for what they got last year in the trade. Uh, David Foyle, to his credit, never really traded the first-round pick, so they have a good stable of players, and they're, they're hoping to find an elite player or two like a Jason Robertson that maybe isn't one of those high first-round picks. But time will tell.
2: Willie, i got to ask just for my own curiosity, and I brought up his name earlier. We were talking about Joey Moss uh, and how important he was for the Oilers, and especially, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in the league and been to Nashville, but they had a guy, Bro. Is Bro still there?
0: Oh, yeah. In fact, (laughs) uh, if you look on social media, He was uh, the one hugging Echo. Yes, and, uh, you know, the, the return to Nashville was official, I think, when he got the big Bro hug. From, <laughs> from Partner Baugh. Very special guy that's been here since day one. It's funny, Andrew Burnett has gotten the hugs from Partner Bach going back to 1998. So he is still a staple for sure, and it's going to be a really emotional night, I think. They'll have the tribute video and everything for Matthias, and um, you know it was so abrupt last year when he was traded. Uh, I know he feels really good. He had dinner with some of the guys last night, I think, and... Um, it's it's special for him to come back here but uh, then when it's time to drop the puck, it's all business. I'm sure for both sides.
3: Yeah, well, I would expect uh, Jay Woodcroft to put Ekholm in the starting lineup. Uh, you, you know, there's going to be nerves and emotions, so you might as well just get it out there as quick as you can. But uh, uh, you know, how he's like—he was one of the stalwarts in Nashville. He was beloved, I think, not only because of the player, but as a person, he was. He really is indebted himself. Like he's only been in Edmonton for five months, and order fans love him because of all the stuff he's done in the community. And I know that him and his wife were, were very adamant about doing that in Nashville. As well, So uh, you mentioned a tribute video, but I'm guessing that he'll get quite the round of applause from the fans tonight.
0: Oh, it'll be more than a round of applause. There's no question that I think he was in that group of players that, you know, turned this market into a market that believed they could win a a championship. Okay. Set a standard of excellence. Um, You know, he goes back to the very end of Barry Trotz's tenure as a coach. So he's, he played, uh, for the first three coaches yeah. uh, in Predators history. So he spans a couple of different eras. So, yeah, th- there's a lot of motion And as you guys said, you know, he is 100% class, the way he conducts himself. His wife, Ida, is a champion. I mean, she is just awesome. You guys are lucky to have her uh, up there, too, because she's going to do some great things.
3: Willie, we appreciate this. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, it'll be curious to see, uh, can the Preds shut down McDavid and dry settle? Can the owners find a way to get a win? So we'll be watching. When you guys say
0: shut down, do you guys mean like one goal, one assist each? Because I, I, that's not all that bad. Uh...
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, touche based on how they performed. <laughs> that, that probably would be a decent night. All right, Willie. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Willie Don is joining us from Nashville and uh, Echo and, and his wife, uh, very beloved there. It'll be a very emotional night in, in a positive way. But you watch Echo, man. Like, it's going to be tough for him. There's no question about it. As he mentioned, like, his, his whole young. Adult life, his family, his two kids were born there. There's a lot of memories in Nashville for him. And uh, he'd love nothing more. Don't get me wrong. He wants a win, but uh, it'll be rather emotional for sure. Uh, when we come back, hey, Jason Strudwick, he had a few emotional nights himself hopping from city to city. When he went back to Kentucky, he was probably the one he wished he could have gone back to. Uh, he will join us next in Strud's on with the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and OldersNation.com, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 425. You know what I love about our show? (laughs) We just get random texts about nothing. Hey guys, thank goodness for public toilets and what I have. I was stuck in traffic and was considering using a jug. Great job, Edmonton. <laughs> like, thanks for sharing. It might, be, it might be like, you know, TMI, too much information. But the minute I read that story, because I just got that came in, it reminded me, because Strud and I used to live close by each other. And uh, Jay Strud is going to join us in a second. And uh, he'll know the park I'm talking about. Well, anyway, I had a friend who lived around us and uh, they were jogging one day and all of a sudden It was just like, oh, my goodness, I got to go to the washroom. And so they came up to a a porta potty there because there was a lot of construction on 142nd Street and the porta potty was locked. They couldn't use it. And so he decided he's going to jog at home while he couldn't make it. So there is a park strutty right by where you got uh, drugged at that block party and uh, he had to go in the trees in the middle of the day and every time i drive by there i die laughing for two reasons uh a unfortunately he started got drugged um we thought it was a joke at first but then it turns out it was legit but then more so somebody when you're planning their jog and they didn't plan it uh, properly so oh my goodness I still laugh about that so you know what it's true uh, I in San Francisco once I was in a car we were renting a car one in those little yellow cars in San Fran if you've ever been around and it has a tour guide on it and I had to find a washroom thankfully I only had to go number one and I was driving around forever and I went to places and, and, like there was a porta potty on the side of the road locked. I'm like, what is going on? And then finally I found like a 7 Eleven and my back teeth were floating, <laughs> but, uh, but I made it. So uh, I can relate. I think most of us can relate to that time where, you know, you're, you're holding it in. You got the, you know, your bladder is suddenly like a balloon and you're just praying to get there. So
2: we, we gotta back this up. Did you just say, uh, Stretty was drugged?
3: Yeah, yeah, well, he'll he'll join us right now. He'll tell okay. us about that. We get to uh, Strud's on. Brought to you by Action Electrical, <laughs> and hey, take action uh, when it comes to uh, solar because they have a whole new solar division, and they can tell you all about the great savings. There's a, a $5,600 grant you can apply for, and also interest-free loans if you're looking to get it on your residence or on your commercial property. Check it out: ActionElectrical.net. as uh, Jason Strudwick joins us? Struddy, how you doing?
4: I'm good, and I, I'll just—I've actually peed in a bottle. I used to drive all the way home after the season. I didn't want to break break uh, break my flow of driving, so I always—it was a wide aid lid. I couldn't use a small lid. Some of you guys probably could, but I needed a big, the big mouth, and I peed in the bottle not to break rhythm, and I didn't want to stop. And sometimes there's nowhere to stop, uh, so I just do it right in the right in the car on the way home. That was a pretty warm bottle when you're in the middle of North Dakota driving home.
3: Why couldn't you just pull over on the side of the road, man? It's like a minute.
4: I was rolling. I was absolutely <laughs> rolling. <laughs> I was like Dwight Shute in the back of, uh, of uh, Michael Scott's car. Oh, yeah. in a bottle. <laughs> to, to me, you got it. There's no way you didn't get it
3: on your hands.
4: No, I was pretty good. I would. I don't yeah, want well, to the whole per- thing, but let's just say that there's enough like rope, if you know what I mean, to get into the bottle deep enough so it's not splashing all over. Yeah,
3: well, yeah. Well, depends. If you're using one of those 500 mil water bottles, that's not a good sign. A
4: drink
3: box. (laughs) Strutty's got the 375 mil. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
3: uh, Jason Stroudick from uh, Got Your Back podcast uh, joins us. Uh, we'll get back on the rails now. Um, Struddy, I do want to talk. You know, the, I don't think it's a big concern. I actually think it's smart to uh, to load up McDavid and Drysaw. I think you're going to do it a few times in the year. Um, it gets their mojo going. They've had unreal mojo against this team that they're playing tonight. And even though I think they probably could have played out of it if you just kept the lines together. To me, I'm playing the odds. I'm putting them together. They're going to get going. If the team gets off to a start, suddenly everybody exhales and they're like, okay, here we go. Or do you think it's a panic move by the coach?
4: Well, losing your first two games isn't ideal, obviously, especially I think it was the way they lost that first game where they just got dominated. You know, the last game, you know, I, I, they, they, they controlled the shot uh, for the most part both ways. You know, just some pretty major issues or defensive lapses kind of open up the opportunity for Vancouver to be opportunistic. So I'm not. I don't think it's a major panic move. I when I look at the lineup, I still think they got to find a way to get Kane going. You know, I know it's only two games, but I didn't think he had a great preseason. And, and, and often veterans aren't exactly flying around a preseason. Um, and then I think you know Connor Brown's another guy they want to get going. I think Nuge, even though he scored. I'd like to see a little bit more to him. So, you know, you, you got to try to get those guys going. So, is, is it is getting them off that line makes a difference? I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out tonight. But they need to get them going and, and, and finishing chances uh, with the shots, rather than you know just kind of keeping up those guys and not letting them get it done.
2: They're obviously pretty dynamic that those two guys together. I mean, just because they start, I mean, do they have to finish that way? I mean, you're just trying to inject a little bit of enthusiasm, a little bit of excitement. But depending on the game, I mean. These are adjustments that Woodcroft can make where, you know, you might start off that way and then you start shuffling the lines depending on how the game goes, not? no.
4: Yeah, and I think that would be my concern, Brownie, is that, you know, how much are you going to play those guys? And by playing them a ton, does it not allow other players to get in the game and feel the game? You know, if you look back at the Canucks game, you know, and I know it's only one game, but it's a snapshot, but they had four tiers of players, 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 10, and five or less. And so, you know, even if they win that game, do you think the five and less guys or even the ten are thinking, man, look what I did tonight. I really contributed. Now, I know there's a lot of power plays, but you've got to find a way to get more guys feeling like they're a part of it. And I think that was one of the strengths of Jay Woodcroft. When he took over from Tippett, Derek Ryan spoke about that. And I don't know that we've seen that. You know, I know it's only two games. But what I'd like to see, if you want to know the truth, I'd start the third line. You know, now, you know, maybe it's different with that calm being there and all that, but in Nashville – But start the third line. Get those guys saying, man, we need you guys. You need to bring energy. You get to set the tone. Then you come right back with uh, McDavid and, and dry saddle. Then your third line, then your fourth line. Everyone gets their beak wet in the first three minutes.
3: I'm curious about the Oilers schedule study and the fact that it's a game 2 days off a game 2 days off uh you know even, and then leading up they got 2 days before the Winter Classic and then 3 days after and I wonder if the coach looks and says man I can play my top guys even more because we get so much rest.
4: Yeah that's no I think that's a possibility but you know I'm just always trying to think of what what the team needs and everyone yep. has to kind of get going right everyone has to feel that puck and you know I, I'd like to think that the next number of games the guys that kind of highlighted all have, if, if not goals, some points. Mm-hmm. Five on five. You know, like getting themselves going and, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, I, I know it's, it's just so uh, human nature to turn to two massive players and let them just take over games, but in the meantime, you have other guys who are just sitting there watching and then you get to the playoffs, you're like, okay, well, we want everyone to play. Well, it's kind of tricky, right? So I, 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 it's, it's not an easy solution, but I would look for opportunities to get more guys involved in the game. Uh, but, you know, when they kind of do need points because they're already six points behind Vegas. So I, I get what Jay's doing, but I still think getting more guys involved would be healthier for the overall well being of the group, forward group, that is. It's,
3: sorry. It's a great point you mentioned about Vegas because the orders now it was 20 games and they were 11 points back of Vegas. And then Edmonton played great, but they still ended up missing first place by two points, right? Like, digging a hole early, if you want home ice advantage, you can't do it. And so I think that's a really good point to bring up. Like, they, you can't be playing this. It's early, but you, if your goal was to get home ice advantage, you can't far, far, fall that far back of Vegas unless you think you guys are just going to play 700 hockey the rest of the way.
4: Well, and that's and that's. I mean, that gets really hard because guess what? Now you got to load up more on those big guys, right? Put more pressure on them, get more stuff done. So I I think that honestly, like I, you know, I I watched the game and then I rewatched it a bit, uh, the second game, and the owners did a lot of things right. But you know, maybe that sometimes you're digging out a hole. It takes a little while to get right out of it, get, you know, completely out of the hole. So you know, look at the two non-coverage in front tipping guys are tipping pucks in front of them. You know, the three, uh, the two-on-zero where you know you got D-men jumping in where they shouldn't jump in. You know, maybe you get a save on another night. But when you're struggling or maybe not playing the right way all the time, that's what happens. So I'd like to think that they put it together tonight, and then they're one and two, and then okay, now we're going to Philly. You know, maybe you come home two and two and it's a different story. But again, it's about how they, I want to see them play properly. The wins are the byproduct of that. It's not getting wins and trying to figure out how to play well uh, at the same time.
2: You touch about, you touch, I want to touch on, you know, playing properly, like throughout the season, obviously, you know, you're not going to have your best games all the time and you're going to face adversity throughout the different seasons or different times throughout the season. You know, as a coach and as fans, and, and something that you know I'm looking at is is to see like what 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 is this team about when they're facing a little bit of adversity. And I, I know it's early, um, but the they're a skilled team. There's no question they can score goals, and and they got a, a lot of skill up front. What are your thoughts, like? You know, what are your thoughts on them playing in the trenches, getting a little bit dirty? You know, that's what I'm looking to see. Are you looking at it the same way? I mean, they have, do they have the guys? I think they have them, you know, but do you think that they're right now playing gritty enough, you know, to kind of turn it around and and show that side that, hey, you know what? What what type of game do you want to play? Do you want to play a skilled game? You want to play a gritty game? We're capable of both. I think that's important for the coaching staff, for the management to see. Do you agree?
4: Oh, you know, for sure, and I think well, you know—not put words your mouth, I think we're talking about consistent habits, right? Having those habits that are the same all the time. And Greg, I heard you make the point the other day about doing is going to the net. Now, you know, we, we can talk because it, can, it it creates more scoring. I, I think that's 100%. It does. But what it does when you're a forward and um, you're constantly driving the other team's net. It's really hard on the demon. Like the demon, like oh my god, here comes Brown or here comes Leon or here comes Hyman or Fogel or whoever. They keep driving the net, and after a while, it kind of wears you down. I felt the same way with hard forechecks when they would come flying in and forecheck you so hard and, you know, they might, they might hit you or bump it off, but you're just not able to make plays. And I think you go back to that first game against Vancouver. I, I could have believed the level of intensity that Vancouver's forecheck. I thought their forecheck was really good. And actually, Vancouver looked really fast on the, on their forecheck. Um, so I think you've got to be hard to play against. And hard to play against doesn't always mean running guys out of the building, but it's just by being the same thing over and over and over again. Wh- whatever your mutual zone forecheck or your forechecking check your zone or taking away time and space in your own end or, you know, tying up sticks in front of your net, those are hard things. Like they're, they're, they're small details, and most people would miss them. But that's being hard to play against and i think those are characteristics you want to carry through the season brownie and then into the playoffs because now they're who you are you're not just trying to flick it on on game 83
3: jason strudwick joins us on sports 1440 also live on orders nation uh, youtube um you look at the goaltenders i'm not even sure it matters to be honest i'm just flip a coin hopefully one of them can make some saves uh, at this point Strutty, but I look at a, at a few of the players. You talked about Evander Kane. Uh, Connor Brown, now he's only played two games in a calendar year. So how much time do you think it's going to take him to kind of get back to the level that he expects to be and that the team's hoping he can be?
4: Well, I, I hurt my knees quite a bit when I was playing. He'd be out for like four or five weeks, right? So that's not, just, that's not a whole year, but four or five weeks. I always found the first game he came back, you're just excited to get back and everyone was great. And then all of a sudden he kind of hit a bit of a lull. You know, for maybe you know a handful of games, and and it really felt like you were fighting it. Then you'd find your your stride again. Um, and that was just, like I said, make like a stretch ligament or something like that, right? Now you're talking about what he went through, um, and he worked hard to get back into it, but he's got to get himself kind of back into that game mentality and, and, and feeling it. So I think we give him, you know, 10 to 15 games to kind of find his game, and there'll be some nice flashes, there'll be some moments that are, are struggling, but it doesn't help when the team around you isn't playing well either. You know, when, when you're struggling, you hope you struggle struggling the team's really playing well because then you're kind of hiding yeah. um, or, or hidden a little bit rather than the other one. So I think kind of coming down to where he's at on this line now, um, two really fast players with um, Holloway and, and obviously McLeod, and he can you know be a bit of a worker be there. Um, I like that he's on his right side, and focus on his left side. I, I think that there's something there. So maybe just a downshift to let him kind of find his game and groove away from the pressure of having to bury or finish playing beside uh, the big guy, 97
3: yeah well, hey, you know, and like Fogel's not a great finisher, but he's shown he can get hot for a week or two, and that's what you want and then, and then maybe you you switch out uh, somebody else. How long would you have Deharnay stay in the press box?
4: It's hard because you got to figure out what Broberg is doing and what what is he all about um, i mean i I really like Benny and, and it's tricky because you then you say, okay, well, we want to find out Broberg. We still want to play Vinny, so we're going to play seven. Then you're back to the same situation we were before. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's really tough. I, I, I really like Vinny. You know what he is. I don't think we have any idea where Broberg is or will be or can be. So I think he's going to spot in and out every now and then uh, until they kind of establish with Broberg because you kind of got to figure it out, don't you?
3: Yeah, and that's the hard part, right? Because you don't – like, Broberg's probably too good to be in the American League and you don't know what you're getting uh, from him every night just yet. He's been okay in the first two games. I haven't noticed him in any sort of negative fashion. I just wonder, you know, and the reason I asked you is because I know you, like, you talked about it and and even Brownie at points, you're like, hey, you know, being a healthy scratch sucks. I don't care who you are. I don't care what stage of your career. And so it's a, when you'll, and especially like from one side, it's easier when the coach only has one healthy scratch. There's only one guy annoyed. But then if it's always the same guy, man, that guy eventually doesn't feel part of the team.
4: Well, what sucks is that sometimes you get scratched and you didn't do anything wrong or haven't done anything wrong. And that's – that's. I hope that's a conversation I have with Vinny. Like, buddy, we're going to need you. Like, we're going to need you to stay with it. Um, I I really hope he's taking advantage of this time to really continue to work on his skill. And, and like, he doesn't need to be bag skated, but just, you know, work on his skill. Keep working on those weaker parts of his games or areas that he wants to improve so that when he gets a chance, he can really flourish. Like I said – sometimes it just sucks there's no reason for you not to play but that's just the way it is and uh, I'm sure he's a team guy and take it like a champ but haste it but stay ready because you're, you're one injury away from now playing every night 15 minutes
3: yeah yeah no it's totally fair
4: Stratton
2: God, I, I don't miss those uh, red line, blue line bag skates. Um, oh, that, not at all. Kelly
4: Buckberger. <laughs> Kelly Buckberger used to skate me into the ground. And I'm like, buddy, I'm in great shape. Do you want to take my shirt off? I, I, It's unbelievable how good I look. I don't work on my hands. I'll show you my hands. They have cement wrapped around them. Help me get this cement off my
2: hands. That's one thing that I would say that has changed, Freddie. And I think you would agree that you know we did a lot of mindless bag skating where today now they work on a lot of the reasons why you're actually out of the game and yeah. working on that skill set. But what do you think of Campbell and uh, Stewie just kind of going back and forth? At what point in time do you think, you know, we give one of these guys a game or two? Are we at that point? Or what, where are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well,
4: so I'm actually a goalie apologist. I believe the first two games, it's hard to evaluate the, the, the goalies when you look at the, the way the team has played in front of them, like at least defensively, Right. Game one, I, I, I think, for sure. Then game two, I didn't like those two-tipped shots. You know, Brownie, I know you'd appreciate you're standing beside the guy and you're just watching that puck come in and the guy just knocks it out like he's trying to hit a pinata on your 10th birthday. Like, no thought to tying up a stick, nothing. And that, it just bothers me because that's such a fundamental skill that you teach players, you know? And even like, you know, Darnell and, and CeCe, some have got to stay back. You know, you, you can't all jump in and try to score. So, like those, so I'm a little more critical on the, the, the D men than I am on the goaltenders. Um, you know, if, if so I, I guess I'd alternate. I'd alternate till the team gets under track and someone really shows what they're all about. Um, but I, I don't think tonight the team will be tighter defensively. I expect the goal to have a like I'm looking at a two goals against performance here tonight for Campbell and the Oilers. That's, that's what I think they're going to do, especially look at how many shots they limited Vancouver to.
3: Uh, what was it? Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Not uh they've only they've at an average of twenty four shots against per game. So
2: it's funny that you talk about some of those tips, Stretty. Um, you know, I gauge a game and the emotion and a lot of it, you know, when they're scrums, right? How how uncomfortable do you think players are coming to the front of the net right now? Like are are those reads are we are we making those are those D making the reads right now where they're boxing out, you know, and getting that body position and making those guys feel has there been enough scrums? Has it been uncomfortable enough for guys to come to the front of the net?
4: Well, that's I go back to being hard to play against. You know, so I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Hoglander. Just skated from kind of beside the net and skated right in front and just stood there. Yeah. And no, no, even thought of like, say, boxing him out, knocking his stick down, nothing. And that's you don't have to be, you know, a bit warrior to have to do that. But you just tie up the stick. The goalie wants to know that he has got all he has to do is save the puck. He doesn't have to worry about a a tip shot and I know it's hard but that's the job of being the D-man right, that's your job, your first job is to help your goaltender, so just think if one of those goals doesn't go in and then they don't jump in, well now we're talking about a, I don't know, a 4-2 win maybe, right, and you're like, oh boy, they limited it to four whatever it was, and that minus or under 20 shots, is was a great game the, you know, whatever, Stu was good but now those two ones go in, it just changes everything right, so I, I think I'm unduly hard on the d men sometimes but I just see areas that can be tidied up, it would make it so much easier for them and their goaltenders, and that's what I want to see, so I can't evaluate the goaltenders until I see those go away, because that was three-in-one game, guys. That wasn't maybe one. That was three-in-one games, and I think it's unfair for the goalies.
3: Strady, have yourself a great night. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. See you, guys. That's uh, Jason Strudwick from uh, Got Your Back Podcast. Joins us uh, every Tuesday on Sports 1440. We'll come back with five questions more on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 449 as we roll through a busy Tuesday edition of the Jason Greger Show. Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Thanks, as always, for uh, being part of the show. You can text us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440, as it's time now for five questions uh, brought to you by The Brick. And their scratch and save event is on now. You can scratch and save up to an additional 40% off your purchase. There's over 115 grand in instant prizes to be won. Maybe today's your lucky day at The Brick and TheBrick.com.
1: It's time for five questions on The Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one. As the Oilers are in at Nashville taking on the Preds tonight, let's get a score prediction and to spice it up, also one bold prediction for the game. I'm going
2: to go with uh, Campbell's going to get a shutout. I think that, yeah. I think he's going to bring his A game. Wow. I think the guys are going to play solid in front of him. My bold prediction, I'm going to say uh, Ekholm's going to get... That's not your bold <laughs> prediction? No. Holy
4: jeez.
2: <laughs> I like it. Wow. Uh, I, I'm going to say Ekholm... He's gonna get. He's gonna have a two-goal night. Two-goal two goal. night. I think oh. he's gonna be paired up a lot with McDavid. Okay. Drysital. All right. Um. He's gonna benefit from that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's this is their night. We're gonna turn this around. Okay. Um.
3: Uh, I have the Oilers winning six-three, uh, and my bull prediction is they score three goals in the first period.
1: Question number two, I know it's super early into the season, but has there been a team that has surprised you? Could be good, could be bad with their play so far.
3: You're right. It is extremely early on in the, uh, in the season, so I would say. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Um, I guess I will go I'm going to go with Chicago. Chicago is uh they're two and two. They've been more and, and they've actually played some pretty tough teams and they've managed to be two and two. So I, I will give them credit. They'd be more competitive than I expected.
2: I got the same. I got Chicago too. Um you know, I don't think anyone obviously picked them. You know, I I think Connor Bedard has been Exceptional, especially under the spotlight and pressure, and the age that he is—it's—it's it's mind-boggling to me that, you know, he's able to play at that level, have that much success, that young. And we all know the media attention that he's getting, and to be able to block that out and to play—I uh, think Luke Richardson has done a great job. I think it's funny you watch Rick talk it. You know, a former player, hard nose, hard hard-to-play against. Luke Richardson, very similar, right? These these guys just have a way to, to get their teams to buy in, to play a very similar, gritty-style uh, approach. It, they're a real reflection of the coaches.
1: Question number three. After the Niners and Eagles' losses this weekend, how would your power rankings look 1 through 3 in the NFL? Well, I don't follow the NFL too
2: much, but what the lines are what 5 and 1, the Dolphins are 5 and 1, Chiefs are 5 and 1. Um you know, I think I like I mean, I like the Lions and I like the fact that Dan Campbell and the way he talk about Rick Tockett and how motivating they must be or how well their teams are responding to him. I think that the Lions coach uh is very similar to that. Um like I said, I got the Lions first, the Dolphins, Chiefs. Um, I'm gonna go with that. The Detroit Lions,
3: hey, and, and it's crazy. That's not even a like. If you would have said at the start of the year, people would be like, when was the last time they were there? I, I'm still going with the defending champs because they're the defending champs. Uh, their offense obviously isn't as electrifying as uh, they're used to. I have the Lions, and uh, I know that they just blew one, but I would still go with the 49ers. I think the 49ers, when healthy, are a really good team
1: question number four uh, one week away from the NFL or sorry the NBA season getting going here is there a team that you're following maybe not necessarily a powerhouse one that you want to see but just interesting storylines for the upcoming season
2: uh, yeah. you know what the Raptors are always exciting because it's Canada's team um, but I, I you know what I got to go with the Lakers I, it's been amazing watching you know LeBron come into the league as a rookie see what he's done throughout the league uh you know they're just it's it's a franchise that's had so many good had so much success and had has had so many good players go through it i i'm a lebron fan i've enjoyed watching them i i, I you know just the the storylines that kind of what does he have left you know how much more does he have in the tank it just it it's it amazes me these elite athletes and those guys that are are that good just how much they surprise you year after year
3: yeah, like there's a lot of teams that are interesting to me, but I will say I'm, I'm I'm curious about the Phoenix Suns in the West. See what they do and obviously now with the trade, how is Damian Lillard going to fit in in Milwaukee with the Bucks?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Final question for you guys today. It is national pasta day. So when it comes to pasta, what is your go-to? You know what? There
2: we used to always eat at a place. That's, I don't think it's around anymore. Shecky's. Anyone remember Shecky's? Where was it? Um, it was off of Wayne Gretzky towards, uh, towards the white mud. Nope. No. No. Well, they had a, they had chicken Gigi. I don't know what it was. <laughs> the sauce, the creamy sauce. The yeah, yeah. It had a little bit of ham in it that was your go-to it was unbelievable and i the ladies there i asked them i said hey is there any chance i can get the recipe she's like well i can't give you the recipe but she hooked me up with like a month's worth of Gigi sauce oh it was lights out and they're obviously not you know they're no longer but shecky's was the spot that's where we used to go shecky's okay shecky's in and out is that the full name no, I think it was just called Shecky's. Just Shecky's? I, I actually, okay. you know what? There might be a Shecky's in and out, but it wasn't. It wasn't was called Shecky's in. I don't think it's the same. Oh, okay,
3: all right. Um, well, if I'm going out for uh, pasta, my favorite is at uh, Vivo. It's uh, it's to die for. I, I love their uh, uh, their fettuccine Alfredo there. It's amazing. Um, at home. Uh, my wife now makes um, a rigatoni, but she makes it with pesto and shrimp, and it's unbelievable. So uh, I love it, and you know it's hey, it's past. It's got some carbs, but it's good for you. But the pesto, man, I've become, I've really yeah. become a fan of pesto. Like we put, I put pesto on our homemade pizza now on Friday nights. Ooh, love that. So the uh, the pesto shrimp
2: is what I like. Well played there, giving a shout out to Mama. Uh-huh. You can't go wrong with that. I know. No,
1: it's great. <laughs> Cons? What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like just uh, the basic spaghetti. Uh, I do the, the homemade sauce. I use plenty of time. That's kind of my, my hidden ingredient. I will say, though, I hate spaghettini, and I so often buy the wrong noodles. It's just like spaghetti, but it's a little bit thinner. Not a big fan of that, so it's got to be the proper noodles. And uh, Sean, i right. so saying that it's pasta brioni now.
3: Yeah, pasta the brioni, and they still have the, the... Do they still have yeah, the chicken? you really? you're gonna have to go there, i going to have Brody. to check that out. You're going to have to check yeah. it
2: out. Yeah! Oh, oh, wow! Yeah, that was that was a hot spot. We spent the, those ladies there hooking me up with that. I'll, I'll never forget it. Love it. So you're you're talking. You don't like the angel hair pasta?
1: Hate it! I can't stand it. Really? Right.
2: I like the uh, our go-to when we go to the states. We go to Cheesecake Factory. We get the uh, chicken piccata with the angel hair pasta. That's so good.
1: When I first moved out, for about three or four straight grocery trips, I bought it by accident and i'd get so mad i'd get home and then i'd go back and i'd do the exact same thing and i swear like somebody was punking me they were changing it at the till because i would look at it spaghetti this is what i want yeah. and then i'd end up with spaghettini. so what a rookie yeah yeah it was a, a very very <laughs> i w- i went through
2: a phase i, I eat a lot of p- i love pasta but i went through a phase in junior where i ate so much of it i got sick of it and now i'm back on now you're back the, on the, p- the pasta, the pasta train. train there's nothing you know oh. even just plain butter and a little bit of parm yeah it's my
3: son. He loves it. Doesn't like like
2: sauce. He just loves it with butter. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. Lots of uh, pasta brioni. Lots of people are uh, giving it a high five. Fitzy.
2: A few I, others. So. Yeah, I got to go there. There's, is there only out. one location?
3: I guess so. Oh. So just a different uh, different name. Yeah. The one downtown is no longer there. So they're yeah. down to one. Okay. So, Jack, if uh, people go there, uh, you can thank Sports fourteen forty. Brownie. Have a, a good week. We will uh, chat with you uh, next Tuesday. It's quite. I love the fact that your prediction wasn't your bull prediction, of Campbell shutout, and then you added <laughs> at home two goals. Wow, that's a, a double bull prediction. So well, we'll see if it happens. Big night for the oil. All right, there you go. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley Sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Super pumped that Sports Radio is back, and they're giving you great deals. 0% financing for 84 months on all of their compact BX tractors. Shop online edmontonkubota.com or in store on 156th Street just off uh, north of the Yellowhead.